question. Did anybody look up the word kefir this week? Did anybody do that? That's your homework. If not, you got to look it up now. Now it's the second time. What about bull snakes? Did anybody look up bull snakes from last week? You got to. It's interesting. Um, if you remember, I mentioned um, that we are getting to the end of finishing our website. And just so you know, it is a very simple website, right? It took a long time, about a year and a half, um, because we just wanted to make it who we are. We wanted to make it simple. We, we needed to learn who we are. We need to learn where we're going. Um, so it took a little while. Um, so it's not over the top. It's going to be easy to navigate and easy to understand. And right now, I'm under-promising so that you're not disappointed when you get there and think, why is he explaining so much about it? It's real simple, okay? Uh, but I heard a pastor a couple weeks ago explain uh, that at the beginning of every year, he tells his church uh, where they're headed and who they are. And so we may adopt this model every year. We might talk about at the beginning of the year who we are and what we do. Uh, so far, so good. But last week, I told you that I wrote this message because if you're considering this to be your home church, or if you already consider it to be your home church, if you're watching online and you're like, I'm not sure if I want to rewatch this again, this is a great little series. If you missed last week, go check out last week. Um, but that is why we're talking about that. Also, the other reason why I decided to talk about this, this is because I've been staring at the website homepage for about a month, so I just made it into a sermon. I felt as though it was needed. And working on this project last week, I told you all that a slogan shook out, right? And I misquoted the slogan, so forgive me, but the slogan was <laughs> defining grace and redesigning church. I'm going to have to say it probably a hundred times so that I can get it. But defining grace and redesigning church is the slogan that shook out uh, that's going to be on the website when you, when you see it. But, and we already explained last week what defining grace was. So if you missed it, go check it out. But redesigning church is the discussion for this week. And I shared with you how for years, right, I've seen a lot of people walk away from church. Sometimes angry, sometimes upset, sometimes disappointed, and sometimes for really good reasons. And I've walked quite a few of my friends out of churches all over the place, right? I've walked with them so that, for different reasons, so that they don't hate church, so they don't hate Christians, right? So they don't hate people, and also I've walked with them so that they don't feel lonely in the process, and the sad truth is, some of them haven't returned back to church. Sometimes I give them a pass as well because they have really valid reasons why they haven't gone back. I've also found that not on purpose, but we have become a place where people can recover and feel safe at this church. This has been a recovery place for people who've been hurt by Christians, by church, uh, by ministry, by pastors. In some ways, I think it is amazing that they come here and they feel that way. In other ways, it terrifies me. <laughs> because I think, what if they hold us to the same standard that they held the last church, and then when we don't live up to it, then they get mad at us, right? Nonetheless, I'm happy we can be that for people. And church, as you guys know, or if you don't know, it can be kind of a touchy topic. But it's what we're doing here. 
and I've been a part of church life since I was a kid. This church, I would say, is extremely unique. I've been to churches all over the United States, big churches, small churches, mega churches, all of the above. And I would say this one's extremely unique, mostly because we are a massive melting pot, right? We have people from all sorts of backgrounds here represented in the room. And usually, for Super Bowl Sunday, I'll ask you who the team that you're rooting for or what your, team, your favorite team is on Super Bowl Sunday. Today, I'm going to ask you to cheer when I yell out your former church denomination, okay? <laughs> We're going to try this and see how it goes, all right? So in the room, I want to see, just so everybody can kind of see where we're, our backgrounds are, do I have any bap former Baptists in the room? All right. SBC, NBC. I started realizing there's so many different. I was like, what was going on with the Baptist community? They were having some arguments, okay? Uh, Episcopal. Do I have any former Episcopal people? Oh, a couple. All right, there we go. Full gospel. Any full gospel in the room? A couple more. There we go. Been to all of them, right? Church of God. Any Church of God? How about Church of Christ? Few? How about apostolic? Any apostolic people in here? It's going to get quiet. How about assemblies of God? I knew. AG, are you with me, right? Catholics, any Catholics in here? Former Catholics? Yeah, my mom is probably shouting on the TV, yep. Um, how about Pentecostal? Where's my Pentecostals at? They're usually the louder bunch, aren't they? Non-denominational? Everybody, somehow everybody ends up in non uh, Presbyterian, it's quieter. That's how it is at their church. Methodist, any former Methodist? Okay, a few, yep. They're quieter as well. Former Lutheran? If Nikki's watching online, she's former Lutheran. Nazarene? <laughs> I know that people don't like this one, but Adventist, any Adventists in here? Kind of cultish, I know. I get it. Quaker? Any Quakers? How about Church of the Brethren? One, that's my wife. When I found out that she was Church of the Brethren, I was like, what is that weird thing? Only in Ohio and a couple other states around there, right? Are there any unchurched? There's a couple. There we go. Steve told me this morning, right? Unchurched. How about any that I missed that I need to put into the pot? Mennonite, okay. Amish, yeah, we can just go down the line, right? <laughs> but I'll get people, I don't know if you guys know this, but I get people, I'll have coffee with people, I'll meet with people, and they tell me what church should look like, right? I get a lot of that, <laughs> right? Or they'll say, church doesn't happen until this happens. Have you guys ever heard that? Church doesn't happen until this thing happens. And truthfully, they're typically very similar things. And honestly, we do some of these things right now as a church. We don't do all of them, but we do some of them. And I'm going to run you through a quick list of people when people say church only happens when these things happen. So people will say church only happens when you pray at the beginning of service. Church only happens when you pray at the end of service. Church happens when you talk about politics on every message, right? People say church only happens when you allow for people to come up front and have altar calls, okay? Uh, people say church only happens when you have salvation calls at the end, 
which were great in the 80s and 90s. They slightly reminded me of auctions, right? Got to get one hand, two hand, three hand, four hand, five hand. <laughs> I see hands going up all over, all over, all over, all over. Right? We remember. Sometimes it got awkward. It's like, stop, move on. Half an hour auction slash salvation call. Uh, baptisms. Baptisms got to happen at service uh, every single week in the service. That's when service happens. That's when church happens. Communion every week. We've had people that came here, found out we didn't do communion every week, and they said, ta-ta, and we said, we love you. Um, also, uh, six songs. Okay, church doesn't happen until there's five songs. Church doesn't happen until there's four songs. Church doesn't happen until there's three songs. Church doesn't happen. Can you guys see the trend? No songs. We don't want any songs. Why are we doing songs? That's what they'll say. Church doesn't happen until the gifts are flowing. Church doesn't happen until we give place to the Spirit. Church doesn't happen until we use a King James Version-only Bible. Church doesn't happen until we talk about current events. Church doesn't happen until we tell people how to live their lives. Church doesn't happen until we tell people how to be good. Church doesn't happen until we tell people right from wrong. Church doesn't happen until we try to replicate the early church is what they'll say, right? Which I always laugh because if you want to know what the early church was like, it was just like a big potluck, right? That's why we're having potluck in a couple weeks. But they had to hire Stephen and the different ones, if you remember that. I'm like, they had some serious stuff. We're not even close to that, okay? So if you're wanting potlucks every week, we're, we're going to pray. And so um, they also will say, then when I ask them if they want to help with any of these things, they say, oh, no, that's not my gifting. I'm just here to tell you when church should happen and how it should go. I thought, okay, thank you. Thanks for the hint. And I think all of these things would be great, right? If we could fulfill everyone and accommodate everyone, it would be a smorgasbord of a church. And everyone has differing backgrounds, but I believe we can only be good at what we're good at. That's why we are defining church and we're redesigning church. Or we're, see, I'm saying it wrong. We are defining grace and redesigning church. Today, I want to give you seven reasons why redesigning church is something that we do. Seven reasons. You might ask, why are we doing seven reasons? It's because there were seven churches in the book of Revelation. That's not really why we're going to do seven reasons, in case you're wondering. <laughs> It's seven reasons because that's what we did last week, all right? And if you fell for it, that's on you. I'm trying to give you guys some patterns. Redesigning church is something we do because, number one, church had too many design flaws. It had too many design flaws. Since attending here, have you ever wondered who the lead pastor is? Has anybody ever wondered that? Am I reading your minds right now? Right? Are you still wondering who the lead pastor is? I have a little, a dirty little secret, okay? You guys ready? We designed it that way. We did. We, redes we redesigned church so that you are wondering who it is. Right now, just so you know, there's no probation period that I'm in, okay? There's no probation period that Leslie or anybody else is in right now. We're not interviewing for the job. I'm not, Rick's not, Leslie's not, and I can promise you Clark's not interviewing for the job, <laughs> in case you're wondering. Romans 2.11, it says, for there is no partiality with God. Okay, in the voice translation, it says, God has no favorites. The Amplified says, for God shows no partiality, no arbitrary favoritism. With him, one person is now more, more important than the other. We're no respecter of persons here. That's why we redesigned church. 
There are people who no matter what don't like this layout. Did you know that? No matter what, they don't like it. You could show them scripture, you could give them statistics, you could tell them we're trying something new. It doesn't matter. You might ask, is it difficult to run things this way? In some ways, yes. In other ways, it's better. It slows down decision-making, which might actually be good for a church. There are some who come to church because it's actually hard to tell who the lead pastor is. In fact, I've had comments that we love that no one person is plastered all over the website, and we've kept it that way. Truth is, we like it this way. Personally, I like it this way. I like it because you don't know who to get glad at and you don't know who to get mad at. <laughs> right? Well, I want to get, oh, I don't know. Uh, there's no hero worship. This redesign makes it so there's no man of God or woman of, of God, wherever Leslie is, right? Jesus is the man of God. Am I a pastor here at Grace Church? Sure. If calling me your pastor helps you to sleep at night, then so be it, okay? But I don't have all the answers. And you may be shocked by this. I know Gabe and my wife are not, but I don't know everything. In fact, there are a lot of things I don't know. And I'm gonna tell you right now, some of you know more about God in that in a certain way than I do. And I learn things every time I get together with you. And I don't have a better connection with God than you do. I'm not Moses, I'm not David, I'm not Abraham, and truthfully, those men were flawed as well. Hebrews 4.14, I love this. This is in the Passion. It says, so then we must cling in faith to all we know to be true, for we have a magnificent king priest, Jesus Christ, the Son of God, who rose into the heavenly realm for us and now sympathizes with us in our frailty. He understands humanity for as a man, our magnificent king priest was tempted in every way, just as we are in conquered sin. So now we draw near freely and boldly to where grace is enthroned to receive mercy's kiss and discover the grace we urgently need to strengthen us in our time of weakness. Redesigning church is something we do because, number two, church needed a new location. Church is not the house of God. I know that might come to a shock, right? But church is not the house of God. Church is not where God lives. I had a guy who was uh, doing construction out front. This is probably a couple months ago, and I had the doors all propped out, and I was running in and out and doing saws and all this stuff. And this guy walked by, and he goes, he goes man, thank God the doors are open so you can let the Holy Spirit out. <laughs> and I'll tell you, I was just like, I, it took everything in me to be like, you're right. I'm so glad we opened those doors so that we can let the Holy Spirit out, right? But this is just a building. It used to be a Publix the reason why I know is sometimes I'll be doing a remodel project and I'll pull up a little piece of carpet and I'll see the old public style underneath it, right? Church is mentioned 115 times in the New Testament, but never in the old. In all 115, the word church never refers to a building. 1 Corinthians 3.16 in the Passion, it says, don't you realize that together you have become God's inner sanctuary and that the Spirit of God makes his permanent 
home in you. The church is you. The church is me. The church is us. I love this building. I have memories here. My kids went to preschool next door. But this is just a building. Church is not a building, 1 Corinthians 6, 19. Have you forgotten that your body is now the sacred temple of the holy, of the spirit of holiness who lives in you? You don't belong to yourself any longer for the gift of God, the Holy Spirit, lives inside your sanctuary. I love that it says, have you forgotten? Because that explains to me that it's really easy to forget that church is actually happening inside of you. 2 Corinthians 1.22, he put his mark on us to show that we are his, and he put his spirit in our hearts to be a guarantee for all he has promised. We are his, and he is ours. He's not going anywhere, and neither are we. There's no change of venue. The church is wherever you go. Redesigning church is something we do because, number three, church needed a better foundation. It needed a better foundation. Uh, there was this house that we were remodeling up north, uh, and the street name was Cedar Springs. And I remember some of the contractors were jumping for random reasons. We were jumping off the roof for fun or whatever, and we found out that when you jump, your legs would go deep into the water, right? And we're like, well, why is this grass just turned into water when you jump on We found out that a spring literally ran through the bottom of the house, okay? And uh, we sold the house, but for years, we would go back and we would have to patch cracks in the crawl space because water was just running into the bottom of the crawl space all the time, Right? And it, truthfully, it, the whole house needed a new foundation. We needed to rip it all out, start over from scratch. And I will tell you, the greater church needs a new foundation. Our foundation as church cannot be built on numbers. It can't be built on numbers. I love a lot of people in the building. I'm so glad you guys showed up today instead of the Super Bowl, right? Which, God bless those that are watching that did. But I want this place to be packed out just as much as anybody but numbers aren't a sign of God's blessings. I'll see friends of mine that are pastors that are shining in the crowds and they're saying, God is moving. I promise you, God was moving before people showed up. We're not building a kingdom. We're building the kingdom into people. Our foundation can't be built on serving. Here at Grace Orlando, we always need help. I'll say it again. We always need help, especially in the kids, right? But I'd rather you hear about God's love than to think that you can earn it. I'd rather you be mad because no one has asked you to get involved than to hear every week, get involved, get involved, get plugged in, get plugged in, serve God, serve God. How many times have you been to church and you've heard those things, right? I would rather you know God loves you right where you're at. Same with giving. We always need people to give. But you need to know that God doesn't change his mind about you if you don't. You need to know that first and foremost. You also need to know that our foundation must, it can't be built on our to-do list. God's not impressed by our doing. How many times have you been to church where you hear, we've got this event planned, we've got this event planned, we've got this event planned. Stop with all the planning of events. God's not impressed with those things. Matthew 16, verses 15 it says, but you, who do you say that I am? Jesus asked. 
Simon Peter spoke up and said, you are the anointed one, the son of the living God. Jesus replied, you are favored and privileged, Simon, son of Jonah, for you didn't discover this on your own, but my father in heaven has supernaturally revealed it to you. Verse 18, I give you the name Peter, a stone, and this rock will be the bedrock foundation on which I will build my church, my legislative assembly, and the power of death will not be able to overpower it. Our foundation must be built on knowing who Jesus is. The revelation of who he is and what he did. This is what he wants us to build the church on. Redesigning church is something we do because, number four, it had a bad curb appeal. Church used to be where God seemed disappointed. I don't know if you've ever been to one of those. If you haven't, thank God. Church used to be where God was angry. Church used to be where God was vindictive. If you missed church, they would tell you why God is going to be after you now. Church used to be where you came to get right with God over and over and over again. Church used to be where only the good people attended. <laughs> I remember being a kid, man, and going to church, 17, and we, me and my sisters, we had these clothes that somebody had given us, and we'd put, like, suits on, and we looked all nice, and I remember thinking, man, if people knew our background right now, we would not be allowed here, right? I don't know if you guys ever experienced that, but church did not necessarily feel like we should be there. And church has to become a place where we can feel welcome. Church should be a place where you don't have to put on your Sunday best. Church should be a place where we're allowed to be fed up with religion. I was talking to somebody out in the parking lot a couple weeks ago said, I'm fed up with religion. And I looked at him, I said, you and me both. I am too. Church should be a place where no one measures up. Uh, I don't know if you remember the story of the woman at the well, but Jesus was walking and decided to go out of his way to go through this town and visit with the woman at the well. And he had this exchange with her that happened, right? And at the time... Jews were not allowed to talk to Samaritan people, not at all, right? They were half-bred into the Jewish culture, and they had all this lineage that they were upset, so they weren't really allowed to talk to the Samaritan people, right? But Jesus went out of his town, or out of his way to talk to her, and he talked to her midday, and really, he would have gotten big trouble at the time because he was talking with her. And they had this whole exchange, there was this revelation, right? And Jesus, I don't know if you remember, he read her mail, basically. He told her, uh, the, the man that you're with right now is not even your husband. You have three or four other husbands, right? Jesus said she was living with somebody and it wasn't her husband. Jesus revealed also that he was the Messiah. And I, I was thinking about it. I was like, why did this conversation happen? Why was this such a big deal, right? Because anybody could point out that she was not living right, Okay. And then you pick up in verse 39, John, John, I believe it's 439, is that right? Many of the Samaritans from the town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything I ever did, right? And I thought about this, it's like, everything I ever did. That doesn't seem like a very complimentary thing to do for somebody when you're first meeting them. And I, 
And the big deal wasn't that he aired out all of her dirty laundry. It was that even though he knew everything she did, he still stayed with her. He made it a point to go out of his way to talk with her midday to the point that his disciples were freaked out and said, why are you talking to this person? Right, what are you doing? And then he's like explaining all these things that they still don't understand. Verse 40, it says, so when the Samaritans came to him, they urged him to stay with them. So I, this was the first time I'd ever read this part. I don't know why, I've read the story a hundred times. But it said the Samaritans came to him and they urged him to stay with them. And he, said, and he stayed two more days with these people who you not, are not allowed to talk to. And because of his words, many more became believers. More believed because Jesus stayed. Religion. It says, get all cleaned up and you can stay. Jesus says, I know who you are and I'll stay with you. And I'm encouraging you this morning because it doesn't matter what your background is. It doesn't matter what you've done today or yesterday or you're going to do. Jesus wants to stay with you. That was the revelation that she was going around telling the whole town that he knows everything I did and he still stayed. It was a unique situation because he shouldn't have. And she realized he's the Messiah, and yet he's staying and hanging and talking with her. We're redesigning church. Redesigning church is something we do because of number five, church needed too many permits to pass inspection. <laughs> right? Church used to be a place where good behavior was a sign of your salvation. Church used to be where being as perfect as God was encouraged. Don't know if you've heard that. Church used to be a place where being a believer meant acting just like Jesus. In fact, it's mandated. Be as perfect as your heavenly father. Don't know if you guys ever heard that. And that's what they're striving for. That's what they're shooting for. That's what they're telling people that we all need to be shooting for is to be just as perfect as our heavenly father. But church should be a place where the imperfect are welcome, where bad behavior doesn't predict your salvation of being lost. It should be a place where behavior isn't a sign of spiritual maturity. Church should be a place where no one can behave just like Jesus. Church should be a place where bad behavior doesn't predict your salvation. I already said that, sorry. It should be a place where you can take off your mask of perfection, where you don't have to hide anymore. Now, if you're being weird, we may ask you to stop. <laughs> right? If you want to work with the kids and the youth, we're probably going to give you a background check. <laughs> Church should be a place where you don't have to feel blessed and highly favored. Now, if you want to, that's fine. But if there are days that you have that are not so good, I want you to know you're welcome here. Church should be a place where you hear about God's love for you over and over and over to the point that you get sick and tired of hearing about it. Redesigning church is something we do because church was too cookie cutter. Church should be a place where we don't all have to walk and talk and act the same. Church should be a place where we all don't have to agree. <laughs> I 
Have you ever been to those churches where it's like, if you don't agree, you're out? Church should be a place where you're allowed to ask questions. Some of you have asked me questions that 10 years ago, the church would have flogged you and hung you out to dry. I'm like, I don't need to know these questions. Church should be a place that you're allowed to have disagreements. We don't all have to agree about everything. Gabe, our youth director back here, I don't agree with him about everything. There's something, most things I agree with him about. But every now and then, we'll find something that we disagree about, and we talk it out. And you know what's awesome about it? Is I still like him at the end of the day. I'm like, I still want you in my life, man. We may not agree about everything, but that is okay. Church should be a place where we have differing backgrounds. It should be a place where we have differing rules for life. If you want to tuck your kids in at 12, so be it. I think you're crazy. I'm tucking my kids in at 8 o'clock, no matter what you say. Church should be a place where we even have differing political views. I'm not going to talk about this much because this is a dangerous topic. I get it, especially this year. I want people in my life that think differently than I do. I want to learn why you think. It doesn't mean I'm going to agree with you. It doesn't mean I'm going to think you're right. But how did you get to that place? Why do you think those things? Am I slightly judging you when you say it? Maybe. But I love you. Redesigning church is something we do because church had, I know this word is new, had improper feng shui. If you don't know what that is, you can look that word up this week as well. But feng shui is basically the functionality of a room or a home, right? Don't get all over-spiritual on me and think that it means some kind of prophetic thing right now because it's not a prophetic word. The meaning of the word just basically means a proper, it has been properly designed and it has a flow to it. We're redesigning church because we want it to have a flow. We want it to be attractive. Church has an improper flow when it's all about us and what we can do and what we have done and what, what the church is expecting for us to do. Church has an improper flow when you need a pastor to talk to God for you. I know I would benefit from you guys thinking that it needs to go through me, but I'm telling you it doesn't. <laughs> I'm encouraging you. Church has an improper flow when every week you hear a motivational speaker giving you a motivational message about how you need to live your life. That is an improper flow. It's an improper flow when you have a moral code enforcer at church. It's an improper flow when all you hear is laws and condemnation and laws and condemnation. That is an improper flow. Church needs to be redesigned if that is the case. Church has feng shui or good functionality when it's all about grace. It has good functionality when it's all about Jesus. When our eyes are off of ourselves and our eyes are on him, that is good functionality. Now I can tell you as we're redesigning church, we may not do everything perfectly. 
And you may say, well, that's not how my old church did it, or that's not how the early church did it. That's okay. Nobody really knows how the early church did it. Unless you've built a time machine and you travel back, we will never know exactly how the early church did it. Right? We are redefining, or we are defining grace and redesigning church, and that's what we're good at. Can we do that together? Clark said a few years back to me, (laughs) he said, church can't be all that hard. It's just one hour a week, we all get together, and we talk about how good God is. I believe we can do that, can't we? And the reason why I say that is because I'm going to wrap it up, and we land at that exact hour right now. So let me pray for you guys so we can get to the Super Bowl. Amen? Amen.